Okay, let's pray. Gracious God, we just thank you so much for who you are, for how good you are, how faithful, and how your love is just so abundant. And so thank you for inviting us here with you. And we pray that you would just open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear you, to be with you. Lord, may your will be done this morning. Amen. All right, good morning again, Westlight and Peninsula Hope Online and everybody here in person. Um, I'm, again, I'm Lori. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad that you are here because we're kicking off a new sermon series called Contact. Contact like touch or connection or an example of bad contact was when I went shopping a couple weeks ago, and I heard that this wave was coming, and yes, I'm one of the hoarders. I confess. So I went shopping and I filled my cart up. And so I get in line and the cashier's like scanning everything. And I notice that like the line is getting kind of long. And it's not because that person was slow. It's because I filled my cart up. And so it came time for me to check out. And I'm like, and it doesn't work. (laughs) So I'm like, that I'm like trying. I feel like if I press it a million times, if I press it hard, it'll work even better. But like nothing's working. And I look at the line and everybody's like, and I, I look at them and I'm like, I'm a boomer. Like they didn't, weren't already thinking that already. But you know, this thing about contact, it's like the touching is supposed to work. It's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to make our life easy. Remember when back in the day when you had that carbon coffee thing and you guys don't remember. <laughs> then you put it in, you put the carbon out, and then you got to sign in. Yeah, this was supposed to be easier, but it wasn't easier because the contact was incomplete. And just because, you know, it's not just because I'm a boomer. I didn't wait around to see if the person behind me could do it. But it could be the hardware, it could be the screen was dirty, it could be my finger, it could be a software problem. And so to, to kind of you know, figure out what the problem was, we would need to look at the whole system, this whole complex system. And it's the same way in our relationship with God. Like It would be easy to just say, oh, well, it's just this one thing. But when we think about our contact and our relationship with God, we need to look at the whole system. And it's hard because building relationships, building love and intimacy and trust, it's a process that takes time, that needs to be experienced. We all come to faith like with different, um, for different reasons, for different expectations, and, and we all have different experiences. And so it's complex. We're different. And so it's very complex. And so when it comes to our relationship, God contact is key. Contact is so key. And it's, it's, and we need to look at our, at the whole system, like I said before, and and everybody is different. And what really is interesting, you know, is when we think about our relationship with God and how we can improve it, it's easy to look at other people. Like we want to look at other people and tell them how they can improve their relationship with God. But that's not the Westlight way, right? You guys, the Westlight way is to look at ourselves. And so when we look and we think about ourselves, there are maybe beliefs that we learned as we lived our lives. There's stories that we tell us um, along the way. And sometimes these beliefs and these stories, they kind of disrupt or impact the contact that we have with God. Um, Some of us 
may believe, we learned along the way that um, if we are perfect and good, then that's good. But if we make mistakes, then we're bad. Some of us have learned that you know we're unlovable or unwanted. Some of us have learned that maybe we're too much and that we're a bother. Some of us learned that um, you know you it's we we've learned that we don't deserve love, right? And so we think, oh, God loves us. And we're like, no, it's too much. We don't deserve it. Sometimes we think that maybe um, the story that we told ourselves is that our needs and our feelings don't matter because no one ever asked us what we needed or what our feelings were. And maybe we've experienced that God and the church are unloving, hurtful, sometimes evil, and unsafe. So the story that I kind of learned growing up was that God must be like my dad. I know not everyone thinks like that, but that's just the story that I told myself. And I'm a boomer, and I'm Asian, and it's okay to stereotype this case because it's true. Asian dads kind of ruled the house. That's what they say, and that's what happened in my house. Everyone in my family did what my dad wanted, how my dad wanted, when my dad wanted. Why? Because he said so. And so because my dad said so, growing up in that, I just felt like I took what I knew about my dad and applied it to my relationship with God. And so growing up, that, that shaped how I, how I related with God. Like, well, I must do what he says, how he says it, what he says is for his purposes. And it shaped the way I read the Bible. It shaped the way I worshiped. It shaped the way I lived out my faith. And when I look back at my prayers as a child, I was like, Lord, I don't want to be, I felt like a slave. And I don't want to be a slave. I want to be seen and valued as a daughter. And to add to that complexity, I know I've shared with you some, this before, but my dad was an alcoholic. And so... When my dad wanted something, when he wanted something, and how he wanted something, it was unreasonable. I was like, what are you saying? And so I was like, oh, that even added another complexity. And so the story that I told myself was that if I can anticipate what my dad needs and do what he wants before he does it, then I can control my circumstances. I can create peace and safety in my life. I was young. I didn't know there was research. I didn't even know what research was. I didn't know about addiction. But that's the story that I told myself. And so doing became my way to control my circumstances, to control my fear and the chaos in my life. This was my coping mechanism that I learned very well. And as all of you know, I still do it. But there's so much power in these beliefs. There's so much power in these stories that we tell ourselves. And these stories complicate the way we, our relationship with God and, and our contact with God. But contact is key. It's so important. And it's so important that even Jesus talks about it in John 15. And so that's what we're going to look for. That's what we're going to look at. And as, as we think about John 15, um, Jesus is, was, you know, his death on the cross was coming up. And he was preparing himself and he was preparing the disciples. And he knew that, you know, the disciples were like, man, we're going to usher in this Jesus. He's the Messiah, and it's going to be great, and we're going to have this kingdom of God, and it's, it's going to be spectacular. 
But Jesus knew that, like, oh, no, I'm going to die on the cross. And he's trying to tell them, but they're not getting it. And he, so he knows that they're going to be disillusioned and they're going to be confused and they're, they're going to fear for their lives because they're coming after Jesus and they're going to come after him and, and they're, going to fear, they're going to experience hostility. And, and we may not know what it was like for the disciples at that time, but we know that in our life now, right? We have the war with Russia and Ukraine. We have mass shootings. We have COVID. And so many people have lost. We've lost so many people from COVID. And we know what it's like to be fearful, and we know what it's like to face hostility. And so Jesus tells them this key. This is like one thing that we need to hold on to. He knows that he's going to die soon, and he knows how they're going to be. So he's like, this is the key. This is the one thing that I want you guys to hold on to. And he tells them in John 15, like, okay, this, I know, it's about my love. I have loved you in the same way that my father has loved me. And his love is amazing. His love we can't even imagine. And with that same love, that's how I love you. And then he saw, let's read John 15, 10 through 17. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. For no one, has, no one has greater love than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. I am no longer calling you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. Now I have called you friends, because everything I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I selected you so that you would go and produce fruit, and that your fruit would remain. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name, and these things I have commanded you, so that you may love one another. Jesus is getting kind of vulnerable here, and, and so let's take a look at, we're going to break down each verse. So verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide his love. Now many preachers and commentators, and I've done this myself, we talk about how important obedience is. But the focus that Jesus is making is not on um, don't lie, don't be prideful, don't be greedy. The word command, the command is in, in throughout this whole passage is the word, I can't say it. I'm just going to say it like how I would normally say it. <laughs> Entel. And so it's not like, you know, because the way I would read it would be like, if you are good and sinless and perfect like Jesus was, then you will remain in God's love. But the word entel is en, is, in, uh, what's it called? It intensifies the word telos. And we've, Kotz has talked about telos before. How telos is our trajectory. It's the end result of our obedience. And so our telos is love. So he's not saying, you know, don't lie, don't steal, don't be greedy. He's telling us the end result of our obedience is love. And so the tell us of our goal, yeah, so the focus is not, don't lie, but it's love. And we know that God's love is not conditional, so he's not interpreting it the way the 10-year-old Lori would interpret it, because we know his love is unconditional. So what is he saying? He's saying, I have created this space for you, for all of us, to experience and receive his love with the hopes that you return his love 
and you love him back. So it's not be good or else, and then I'll love you. He's like, oh, I have created this space. Like when you obey me, you don't have to worry and deal with all that other stuff. It creates space for us to receive his love and for us to love him back. Verse 11 says, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. He wants that joy that he feels for us, his delight in us to overflow so we will experience it. Like, have you, do you guys know what, it like, what it's like to be delighted in? Yeah, I don't either. I'm an Asian woman, middle child. I don't know what that's like. Tim will explain that next week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, he delights in us. And he wants that delight to, to, for us to experience that. The Greek word for, for delight, I'm just going to say it. I don't think if you, someone says it, you're not going to. It's like when I speak Japanese. No one knows I'm speaking Japanese. But it's chara. <laughs> and it's, it's this delight that comes from God's grace. It's not based on what we can prove or what we do or produce. It's based on grace. He delights on us in this unmerited fashion. And so we can be with God in relationship with him in his presence without trying to put up a front, trying to look good, trying to be our, on our best behavior. We can be who we are just as we are with him. Then verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. And let me tell you, when I read this, I'm like, I have loved you, so you all should love one another. But there's no should in here. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying our telos is love. And when, we, when, when God loves us, we become more truly who we are. And when we love one another as our end result, like that's our goal, that's our strategy, that's our, our, that's what we want. When we love one another, the person who's giving the love and the person receiving the love, they become more truly human. They become more truly who God has created them to be. That's so beautiful. And so really, contact is key. This is all how we contact with one another and how we contact with God. Verse 13, no one has greater love than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Oh, man, I love this, but then this, this verse breaks my heart because I know that a lot of churches and pastors have used this over the years, like over the centuries, have used this verse out of context. I've seen it where they use this verse to coerce people to do unhealthy, hurtful, unloving things, to go to those unloving places. And, and that coercion is not love. Guilting and manipulating is not love. But I've, I've seen the church like say, hey, look, Jesus laid down his life. What are you going to do for the church? Give of your time. Give of your money. Give of your gifts. But that's not love, and that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus' point is that he, this love that he gives is to be experienced. See, unsafe people say, I love you, but their actions don't align with their words. I love you, oh, but I don't listen to you. I love you, but I don't respect your boundaries. 
I love you, but I'm going to be judgmental. And Jesus explains, no, his words and his his, uh, actions align with love. And the giving of his life, he's saying this because I think he's trying to like, hint, hint, remember, I'm going to, I've been telling you I'm going to die on the cross. And when I do, because you're going to be confused, and I hope you remember, because I love you, that this is an act of love. This is an expression of love. This is the, the extent that love can go. And this is part of how we contact. And then verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And the term friend that Jesus uses, ah, it's one who is deeply loved and prized. Like we are treasured. And remember the word tell us is, is our end goal, our end result, our, our, our trajectory. So Jesus is saying, man, we were meant to be friends. We're meant to be friends. And then verse 15, I'm no longer calling you slave, servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. Now I have called you friends, because everything I have heard from my father I have made known to you. I told you earlier that growing up, I felt like a slave, that I longed to have a relationship with my dad. And I would pray like, Lord, change something. Lord, I, I, I feel just like, ugh. I'm a tool. I feel inhuman. I feel like I'm just, just something, something to do for something else. And as I've been preparing for this sermon, and 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 Stan and I have been working on this together and having, you know, talking about it, I was like, man, God, the Lord has been showing me that, like, He heard the cries of that ten-year-old Lori, and He wasn't. I mean, I prayed it over again, but he was there, and he's like, yes, Lori, what you are saying, those things that you want to be seen and loved and valued and have that relationship, I put that in you. That desire that you have was good, and it needs to be blessed. And there's so much healing in that, and I could feel like, oh, I am becoming more truly human. I am becoming more truly who God created me to be. And that's how we, that's how we contact with God. Verse 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I selected you so that you would go and produce fruit and your fruit would remain. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And when I read, when I read this, because I'm unto doing, <laughs> I'm like, fruit, fruit, I got to produce fruit. But no, what is the first thing he says? He says, I chose you. I chose, he deliberately chose each one of us. Not out of charity, not because he had to, not because his dad told us. He deliberately selected each one of us. The fruit that's produced, the word in Greek, is karpos, meaning true partnership or life union. See, it's not about producing disciples or whatever. He's talking about relationship. The fruit that comes from this is the close. It's an intimate, loving relationship where we trust, where we can be who we truly are. Verse 17, um, these things I command you so that you may love one another. I love when I find a, I love when I work on a sermon and then I'm like, oh, I got to find a, a quote. And then I find this quote that really, I could have just read this quote and then that would have been the sermon. But the, this quote is from Rachel Held Evans, and she explains everything. And she explains this verse 
the, in her book, Wholehearted Faith, it's really good. She says, the telos of a human, your telos, my telos, our telos, is to love lavishly and indiscriminately as our God has loved us. Love is what we were made to be, but even more, more than that, love is who we were made to be. And so contact is key. You know, my desire to do, to like lessen the chaos in my life and create peace and safety, it totally, it hinders my relationship with God. It hinders the way I receive love. It hinders the way I, I give love. But thank you, Jesus, for do-overs. For years, I've been jumping into doing. I still do. <laughs> but the Lord is so good. And he's like, Lori. You don't have to do that anymore. You are loved. You are valued. I delight in you. And you don't have to do to create peace. I'm here. So what's keeping all of us from having the contact that God meant us to have? And so for the next six weeks, as we go through this series, we're going to explore our relationship with Jesus and our contact. And we've invited various speakers to come. Next week, as I said, Pastor Tim is going to share. Um, Pastor Stan and I are going to share again. We've invited Michael Ono. Um, he used to go to UCLA and came to Westlight uh, for a few years while he was there uh, at UCLA. He's going to come back and share. And then the week after that, his dad, Brian Ono from the Anaheim Church, he's going to come and share. And and so we wanted to get a different perspectives. I tried to ask more women because we want to get women's perspectives, but they are traveling. <laughs> so, um, uh, but, you know, we wanted to get different generations and we wanted to explore, like, how do we examine the system of our faith through um, our relationship with him, through, you know, our mind, soul, heart and strength. And so that's what we're going to be doing the next six weeks. And so we want to encourage you to engage in our sermons. Uh, we will be sending out, uh, Pastor Stan and I will be creating weekly emails that will come out on Tuesday. And so if you want an email and, and we can, you know, it has reflection questions and activities that you could do to help us uh, explore our contact, um, you can go on Church Center app and fill out a form and we'll send it to you. Or if you're like, I get tons of emails, I don't want any more emails, you can go on our website. And just go on our, um, that's going to change to church center, not this week, and just click on that. And then, you know, that way you could just go and find it. You don't have to get the email. It won't be buried in your email. But we're going to do that. And, and so we hope that you will engage with that. You can do those things. Like this week, I think we're going to do like Pastor Stan picked out a verse that we can reflect on. Um, he has reflection questions that we can answer. Um, we have a breath prayer and a song selection, you know, a song recommendation you could listen to. So you can do all of those things, none of those things, but just check it out and see, you know, maybe you want to, maybe reflecting on verses speak more to your heart than listening to a song or, you know, you just could be, this is all how the part of the process of exploring our contact with God. You can do it individually with God. You can ask a friend to join you or do it in your life groups. If you're thinking, oh, man, we need to think of something to do for our life groups, you can do this all together, too. So we encourage you to do that. But just remember, as I close up, that Jesus has created um, space for us to receive. We cast the worship team to come up. To receive his love 
and to hopefully love him back. He is safe. We don't have to perform or try and put up a front that he loves us just as we are. And we can be just who we are. And for the next, well, he's always doing this, but especially for the next six weeks, he's inviting us to go deeper into his, into his love. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for being you, for giving us the grace and love we need to say yes to you. Amen. All right, why don't we stand and um, worship together? <clears throat>